This is a podcast from the Royal Court Theatre. Series 2 was recorded over the summer of 2017. The following content may contain strong language. Welcome to the second series of the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast with me, Simon Stevens. In some ways, Nathaniel Martello White is, of all the writers I've spoken to on these podcasts, the least experienced. He's only had two plays produced professionally, both of them to massive critical acclaim. But in other ways, he's far more experienced than all of us. He's made his name over the past decade as one of the most compelling young stage actors in Britain. Nuanced, poised performances in August Wilson's Joe Turner's Come and Gone and Terrell McCraney's The Brother's Size at the Young Vic were matched by work of equal assurance in Romeo and Juliet at the National Theatre and Marat Saad and Midsummer Night's Dream at the Royal Shakespeare Company. He has a lengthy and impressive film and television CV, including, and this is exciting for me, a credit for Horrible Histories. At least I hope that's true. Yes, it's true. He lingers most in my mind's eye for the detail, care and force of his performance in Duncan Macmillan's People, Places, Things at the National Theatre and in the West End. But for somebody so near the beginning of his writing career, it's his writing that most compels me. His first play, Blackter, in 2012, was a searching satire on the racial politics of the acting industry he's worked in with such success. His second play, Torn, produced in 2016 down the corridor here in the Royal Court Theatre upstairs, was one of my favourite plays of the last few years, taking and then demolishing the notion of forum theatre, brilliantly directed by Richard Twyman and designed by Ults. It explored the hidden histories of a family of mixed ethnicity ripped apart by sexual and psychological abuse. Linguistically rich and dramatically tense, it was the way Martello White used the structure of the play to carry the ideas of disintegration that I found most startling. For any play, it was impressive. For a second play, it was breathtaking. He's written and directed short films and has compiled a collection of poetry. It is a great pleasure to welcome him here, Nathaniel Martello-White. Welcome to the Royal Court. Wow, thank you. Thank you for a stunning introduction. <laughs> Was it true about Horrible Histories? Horrible Histories, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk those, about that for an hour? Those, I mean, the residuals in it are brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Who were you? Do you have a play? I played, uh, several characters, I played a runaway you? slave in yeah, one of them. Very good. And was it a funny sketch? It was quite funny. I had to turn that into comedy. We drugged the... Uh, drug the um, slave master and kind of <laughs> snuck out the house through the back door but then it, it all goes terribly wrong I think because we we can't we keep arguing over how you know where to go and right, then right, right. end up getting caught so right. that was fun and then we did another one I think it was like a, a crazy cowboy song <laughs> <laughs> you know with a little guitar and whatnot. so they're brilliant yeah. those guys but they're really good and they're my really daughter good. has become like an amateur historian because of that show she's really fascinated so we could talk for an hour we about that but it wishes. might be a waste of other people's time um, uh, I, the question I always start off with mm. these podcasts is when was the first time you ever went to the theatre oh yeah well funnily enough it was here was it? it was here yeah and wow, I that's saw first. I know right and it was I think I was in college and I saw Carol Churchill's Far Away. Bloody hell. Which is so random because Stephen I still remember... Stephen Daltrey's production in the theatre upstairs. Upstairs, yeah. Because I still remember the weird kind of... Uh, the chains or people being slowly brought forward. Yeah. I still remember the design for that. And I remember back then when I wasn't writing plays or really yeah. being an actor, being yeah. completely kind of um, hypnotised by it. So. It's an astonishing image. The procession of ragged, chained, beaten prisoners on their way to execution, That's each of was. them wearing a hat. That's what it was. <laughs> That's there it the is. exact wow. stage direction. Because I've taught, I've taught the structure of that play about fifty times. Oh, it's really? The play I've read more than any other play in the world, apart from my own. Is that one? <laughs> no, I think I've probably read it more <laughs> than I've read head. any of my own plays. Actually, right. is that your favourite as far as Carol Churchill's plays? Uh, 
Yes, I mm. think my favourite in the end. Mm. But also as a model of how you carry an idea through structure, I think it's okay. Appearance. Interesting. Yeah. But mm. so college, what what year when yeah, when I mean, you use the word college, what what were you so talking about? Sixth form or university? Sixteen, I yeah. think. I think college was where it started to because I was doing media studies, English language and literature. Whereabouts? Uh, at St Francis Xavier Sixth Form College Where in Clapham South. You're South London boy. I'm a South London boy. Yeah, of course. Freak. But but my but then my secondary school was a, was a nightmare. It was a Catholic um, secondary school in Streatham, and it was just. But it was insane. You know, it was like full of gangs, and it right. was kind of there was like a rival Catholic school around the corner, St right, Joseph's, right, right. and. We were kind of embroiled in this kind of feud with this school because they were all boys and we were right. mixed, so we had girls, you know, right. so we were, we were pacifists, you know, <laughs> we were a bit karma and stuff, but they were all like, you know, we want to kill these guys. Um, but no, I mean, it, there was a lot of material. Streatham in the 90s, yeah? <sighs> Mega Bowl, the old ice ring, <laughs> Zap Zone. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very different place. Yeah, it's because it's, it's was, changed yeah. now, right? And the, the vanguard of gentrification in South London Absolutely. is really... Yeah. piled through it completely but, yeah but what yeah. so so um what what kind of culture were you consuming were you reading were you going to the cinema were you playing uh, were you gaming <sighs> were you uh looking at art what were you doing i was definitely gaming a lot uh i was a big zelda fan right uh, <laughs> i was obsessed with zelda clocked all of the zeldas right uh it's great storytelling to be fair right I, you know, i'm so ignorant of gaming i only I'm know it through my son who's obsessed really. with it Really, um, and then I kind of um, film, you know. Right. I was brought up on film. Like my mom's a big film fan, and, and my dad was, and we film in our family was, you know, everybody getting around to watch a movie was just like we did it every night, and nice. so, and then I really got into, um, you know, the kind of golden era, golden era. Sorry, um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, you know, the second guys. golden age of Hollywood. Second golden age, yeah, exactly. Yeah, really um, nice. Stanley Kubrick and those really guys. Really nice. Um, Scorsese Scorsese who else was Spielberg Spielberg. I'm blanking on all the names now but things like The Last Picture Show do you ever see that I haven't seen The Last Picture Show absolutely wonderful and Badlands Terrence Malick Badlands incredible great movies what age were you watching those again very young I mean I was I think I was you know from about I'll never forget what my mum called Ended up watching Hellraiser with my mum <laughs> randomly, you know, the pinhead movie at like 14 or something. Um, Scream and all those movies. No, I think it was kind of story and kind yeah. of how a story can really just take you on a journey and mm. kind of for that period of time, you just escape everything. And I think I was always um, thrilled by that. And then likewise, I was always putting on shows. I was a big Michael Jackson fan, like obsessed with Michael Jackson. Were you? Obsessed with Michael Jackson. Could you do a good impression? Did you when you say? You know, oh, you you, see. I'm not asking you to do one now. Unless, so. unless the feeling takes. I could you. dance, and then you could say that was brilliant, and nobody would know. <laughs> but how old were you when you were doing Michael Jackson performances? Oh, this you, was like yeah, so from like eight upwards. I, I've got a scar under my eyebrow from yeah. dancing to Thriller in my living room <laughs> when I slipped on the carpet and hit oh, the coffee table. Man. So I could have been blinded. Michael Jackson oh, but actually I've just got a little bit of a scar on the it's quite cool it's always so. always quite cool to have a little scar just there it's kind of cool yeah Man. So, so yeah I mean I think there were a lot of you know the 80s and 90s as well I mean for me I felt like you know it was before the internet was really dominating things and yeah. um, I don't know I thought there was a kind of purity about some of the movies that were being made and like you yeah. say gaming as well it, it was kind of early doors you know what those... were you gaming on was it a television based PS thing or was it on a computer Con- like on a console so like, like right. old school Nintendos right nice you know I was always a Nintendo yeah. uh, rather than a Sega yeah and um, <laughs> you know but no it was just kind of I think there were there was brilliant storytelling in all of those and somewhere along the line I mean I was big football obviously I'm football obsessed yeah. I always wanted to be a footballer and but I was really skinny and wasn't good enough Basically. Right, and right, I, it took right. me a while to get over that. And it's United, right? United. Yes, come yeah, on. Come Let's. On. That's what we're going to talk about well, for the rest of the hour. Yeah, let's just talk about, <laughs> yeah, exactly. about Lukaku. No, um, <laughs> but I guess, and then weirdly, a friend of mine said, um, you should check out the National Youth Theatre. Um, right. He was going, and I um, and I ended up auditioning randomly for them and got in. And At what kind age? Of, so I, get, I think I was 16 when Bef- I did that before you went to college before, um, just before I went to college so at the end of secondary 
um, yeah. just before I... St- in that summer, I think I yeah. did my National Youth Theatre course. Yeah. And I was just, you know, because I'm a South London boy and yeah. you're kind of used to the similar types of people and it mm. was... You know, I, I think I, I grew up in a culture where if you were different, if you went against the grain, you got a lot of stick for it. Sure. Absolutely got yeah. a lot of stick for it. Um, but I always knew doing well was important. I didn't really buy into or subscribe to that kind of, you know, rebel against education and that makes you cool. I never really... Right. Was there, pr- I mean, with the school that I was at, there was pressure to do that, and this was like mm. the 80s in South Manchester. Was there right, pressure right. in South London in the 90s to do the same thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember pressure. admitting to liking reading was an embarrassing thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you there know, you go. I always say there's a possibility if you admit to liking English lessons, you could have got smacked in my school. I don't think it would have actually been violent, but certainly the could, piss uh, would have been ripped out of you. Well, exactly that. Yeah. Which is kind of a dangerous thing when yeah. you think about it. Because, yeah. I mean, you obviously had the, the character and the strength of character to be like, um, you know, well, that's what I like. and Or just I'm, hit it from everybody. Right, is that what you did It was music for me. It was, it was lyrics that was the one thing that I could admit to really enjoying in a literary way. Right. songwriting. Songwriting you could admit to liking. And that was all right. Yeah. Were, was you a, were you a reader? You know, I kind of... Was I a reader? I mean, I never. I was never reading novels uh, back then. I think right. I was... Um, I was listening to a lot of hip hop, yeah. um, and I think the early hip hop, which was um, really poetic and kind of, you know, the whole, more political, more political, like Public Enemies, like yeah, Public Enemy yeah. and and Della Tupac Sol. and yeah, Biggie nice. Smalls and lovely, yeah, yeah, like lovely, yeah, Bella Soul and yeah. But no, I was never really. I mean, I was reading in a sense that you know we were reading a lot um, at school, but I think yeah. I really discovered like reading when I was at sixth form. I think right. then in the English literature class, my my English teacher was um, used to be an actress. And so she was right. this really eccentric, flamboyant What's um, her name? teacher, uh, Maria Carroll. And so she actually helped me with my audition pieces when I auditioned at RADA. So you've got yeah. the two things. You've got Maria Carroll teaching you English and encouraging you in, with your acting, and you've got mm. the NYT summer school between, between year 11 and sixth form. Yeah? Exactly. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So NYT, you're meeting a wide diversity of different people mm. is anybody you're still in touch with from MIT well we were so I was there when uh, you know I think Matt Smith was just starting so right. yeah mm. still and the Treadway Boys time were there time. Treadway well. Boys were there yeah uh, Rafe Spool was there blimey Bolahan was there so, blimey yeah we were all there I mean it was a real kind of um, <laughs> That's a little golden era actually yeah. Shane Zaza was there flipping it yeah yeah we were all there <laughs> we were all bloody there <clears throat> did you um, work together did you make shows together? together yeah we yeah. did what uh, did you do Threepenny Opera we did, did that did you really yeah, we did a version of that um, who I could never get I could never get leads there in my team. <laughs> were you singing I could never well? I think I was yeah I think I was singing um, I just had a little part in that and then I did I never never forget because I was doing Nicholas Nickleby and there was this really amazing production that they did because you know they did an old they did a, an original production with Tim Spall and then they you know right. and then Ray Spall um, was playing oh, I don't wow. know if he's playing the same character that his dad played some years later beautiful and I was in that and then I remember I kind of you know, applied for this open audition for a film called Lone Cub. And um, and then I ended up getting cast as the lead in this film. It was like it's a low-budget indie film. And so I then said to National Youth Theatre, well, I'm kind of leaving to make this film, you know. Yeah. I yeah. don't mind. <laughs> you know, but I wasn't one of the leads, you know. I didn't have anything significant to do. So I think they were a bit annoyed, but they understood ultimately. And so that, yeah. that was my first experience, and it was a really, really arty film. Mm. I mean, I... To this day, I don't. I'm, I've not even seen it. To this day, right. but apparently, it did well in like Germany somewhere. Great, it's always think. a good time. It's always a. Good <laughs> That's always a good sign, isn't it? Yeah. You know. um, but no, I guess all those influences, and then you know, we were kind of, um, you know, I was reading a lot of W. B. Yeats in English literature, wow. um, Hemingway, uh, wow. Catcher in the Rye. All these kind of novels are kind of getting thrown at you. A lot right. of Shakespeare. Yeah. And then in drama, you know, I was. I was kind of, funnily enough, writing and directing and acting and stuff without realising I was doing the multi-hyphenate thing. Yeah. I was just kind of doing it because we had to devise shows and um, right. ended up kind of being one of the more prominent people in the in the group that was doing that. What was your um, first memory of writing anything? First memory of writing anything? I think, funnily enough, the first thing I wrote was, a, was what I would call a street poem. Right. which was something called Regular Ting. And uh, it was like this anthem to the to the street about um, 
this kind of guy who's talking about all this messed up stuff that happens in his neighborhood mm -hmm. and then the hook is but that's okay that ain't a thing because where I live that's just a regular thing and then it keeps coming back round and the things that he rules off are just getting worse and worse and it's like but that's okay that ain't a huh. thing because where I live that's just a regular thing and um and then I and I just started gate crashing spoken word events and started performing it and it just started going down really really well so wow. you know I was like well I knew that my first entry point for writing was something political. Or yes. I don't know if political is a term, but it was it was to do with like the pressure to conform to a way of being as a young black man yeah. growing up in South London versus, yeah. you know, trying to be an individual. Very good, yeah, really so clear. Yeah. That was the entry point. And then also the kind of outside What age were you yeah. when you were doing that? I think I was so then I think I was around eighteen. So slightly older. Slightly older. Yeah, great. Yeah. Having done NYT. Having done NYT. Finish your A-levels. Mm. When did you apply for RADA? Well, funnily enough, I went to Drama Centre for a year first. Right. And um, and that was quite an important year for me because I guess I was... Um, again, it was all a culture shock, really, because I kind of... You're not really... You know, I wasn't brought up on theatre. Nobody in my family yeah. was in the theatre or in the, in the business. Yeah. So Drama Centre was like another experience. But I never really liked it there and I... I always knew I wanted to go to RADA because there were a bunch of people at NYT who had gone to RADA and I'd seen their shows. Right. So I knew, oh, yeah, this, you know, the yeah. facilities here. By the been, time you, know, you did the summer school, mm. I'm interested in that decision to make a film as opposed to finish the summer school. Mm. You know, the, the decision that young actors, all actors have to make, all people working in drama have to make, yeah. in the instinctive decision between theatre and film. Mm. Because film was the medium, you talk about watching films with your family. Were you and theatre was new for you, were you still drawn more to film or were you getting more into theatre? I think I was getting more into theatre. Yeah. But I felt like... I, you know, I was really... I was brought up on film and yet I'd never been on a film set. Right, great. And it was, you know, the main character, so... Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was like, you know, let's ride with this. I yeah. think I always had a bit of that in me, a bit of that kind of... You know, I'm a bit of an adapter. I, I kind of shape shift and shed a skin and <laughs> become something else. I think that's partly Just why the writing quite a, and the, quite a useful characteristic for an actor and a playwright alike. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I kind of get like, oh, you know, this isn't moving. Need right. to kind of evolve or need to change. Yeah. And so again, like with NYT, you know, I wasn't getting, you know, big parts or you know, I don't think I was ready for them. Mm -hmm. But here's somebody going, all right, you know, you can be a lead in this film. Great. So. Great. Um, Okay. So that was, yeah. And then I, I guess, and then I... You did my, Drama Centre. And I did Drama Centre. Maria Carroll, Miss Carroll. Very good. Helped me with my speeches. Yeah, very good. So what speeches never, do you remember? Um, do you remember what you did? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did uh, did Macbeth as a yardie. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember it that now? Was, Can you do it now? Oh, no. Come on, you've done your no, poem for us. This is writing podcast, right? Okay, yeah, it is a writing podcast. And Shakespeare's um, nothing to do with writing, after all. Yeah. <laughs> no, who's that? Shakespeare what? All right, no, go no. on. So, yeah, so I did that, and then I did Blue Orange. Nice. Blue Orange was Very what good. I discovered, yeah. Um, and I think I did Anatu Fugard. I can't remember which one it was. Um, so and, Blue yeah. Orange must have been, that must have been really close to its production. Really close. So, was, so was I that, saw that production. Yeah. Mm. The, the world premiere at the National Theatre. Chiwetel, Theater. Andrew yeah. Lincoln, Bill yeah. Nye. Great. Phenomenal. I mean, it was, I was absolutely it was, blown away. It was a, 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 an early encounter with new plays. I guess well, Far yeah. Away was two thousand and was two thousand and one. Um, yeah, Far Away was two thousand or maybe two thousand. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, so we're talking two thousand three. Yeah, some mm. some while later. I mean, I didn't really. I Chiwetel was like this kind of um, cult figure. Right. At National Youth Theatre because he like played Othello twice and he played Julius Caesar. Yeah. And he's only like nineteen. And you're like, who is this guy? I mean, this is who is this guy? You know. <laughs> and then yeah. you know, I somebody said, oh yeah, he's doing this play Blue Orange. You know, you should go mm. and see it. And I, I remember seeing it. And I thought, oh wow, yeah, you can really not like, oh yeah, those people can be dramatized because I knew, I always knew, you know, people, you know, you, you see in movies all sorts of cultures are dramatized on sure. screen. Sure. But seeing that on stage and the way that Joe Pennell dealt with that character and yeah i was just yeah really compelled by that and then i yeah kind of did my version of, of it at rada which Fantastic. they really liked and yeah Fun. and how was rada you know rada was difficult i think it was it was great to be in you know the first kind of elitist establishment I've, i'd ever really been to did it feel elitist 
Yeah, when I was there, I think yeah. it's improved now. You know, I I still think there's too much emphasis on RP and a kind of. Um, I feel like the kind of they don't the the individuality of people should be kind of nurtured more. In in hindsight, I think there was. I think if you were Tom Hiddleston, you know, or somebody like that, rather mm-hmm. you were at home Great. in that environment. Whereas yeah. I think if you're from South London or Manchester or from somewhere else, you had to yeah. like bend yourself into a shape. You know, your RP had to be on point and, and yeah. whatnot. And I get that as a theory, but I'd much prefer to see an actor, you know, do Shakespeare in their own voice and be more believable yes. than do an RP accent which feels further away from them just because they say, oh, Shakespeare should be done in RP. Yeah. So, you know, There's we absolutely know... absolutely no reason why Shakespeare should be done in RP at all. If there's one accent that those actors didn't speak in, it was definitely RP. It, do you know what I mean? <laughs> they definitely didn't American, sound American, anything like said, Tom Hiddleston, it? yeah. Well, yeah. exactly, you know. Yeah. Much as I think he's a great actor, yeah, and yeah. unfortunately maligned because of his associations with this new era of... You know, of, um, he didn't eating. get to choose who his parents were or how he was raised. Well, know? exactly. And he's a fucking good actor. And he's a yeah, he's a really yeah. good actor. So it's yeah. just that at somewhere like Rada, you know, that fits the most. Ironically, at Drama Center, I was a golden boy. So you know, there they really bought into my narrative. It also would have gotten nowhere at Drama Center. <laughs> well, you know, well Tom Hardy, Tom yeah. Hardy's all right. <laughs> you know, yeah. So yeah, I guess. <clears throat> But so no, so was, tell me, yeah, tell me about Ryder again. It was elitist. It was all. Well, I mean, it, yeah, um, my year didn't get along. Um, right. It was it was a year of misfits. Um, there were some brilliant people in there. Phoebe Waller Bridge was Great. in my year. Great. Uh, Kate Flynn was Great. in my year. Yeah. Uh, Pip Carter. I mean, there were some really fiercely talented people, but for some reason that the it just didn't quite the chemistry didn't quite work, and yeah. so. And I don't think the institution was ready to really deal with that. And there were a few kind of, I you know, there was somebody in the year that was quite racist, to be frank, and uh, a bit of a bigot. Um, and then there were some, quite a few, un, you know, there were a few unstable kind of characters. And we were young. I mean, I was like 19 when I went, yeah, so yeah. I didn't know anything really about living. Yeah. So you don't really know how to deal with those situations. Like, if that was now, I'd know how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so was I think there were a few things... you'd encountered before in the arts or the kind of, like, anywhere no, else? never. I'd never really encountered it. So yeah. it was a good kind of... Yeah, it... It was a good introduction into... I mean, you suddenly... You know, you go into acting and you realise, oh, yeah, you know, you kind of... It is objectifying because people have to fit you into some kind of narrative. Right. So when people go to the South London writer, the funny one, tell her why, I always get a little tinge. Like, oh, am I... Am I a South yeah. London writer? I didn't think, you know, I'm really into sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. South London writer. Absolutely. But, you know, it's this whole, I guess it's these, these narratives. I mean, for me, I guess it was a, a, a valuable lesson. And I think it's probably why, again, you know, Rada was, you know, I thought it was going to be one thing and it turned out to be another thing. But, mm. again, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't, you know, I think it was meant to go the way it went. Um, and it really kind of, strengthen my writing I yeah. think I kind of I would always write in the summer breaks or yeah I was Easter thinking the, you, and you were still writing poetry you writing I was st- only st- writing poetry yeah. really yeah. is that in the collection the co- there's there's a collection of poetry I've read on your Wikipedia page yeah there which is which might be a lie I never showed them to anybody do you not I never has it not been published I think they're terrible I think do you? <laughs> really <laughs> I like... enjoyed that little bit you were doing that was really lovely Those it's two, a nice little that hug. was not bad where but then I tried to go all like, you know, RP with my poetry. When I, <laughs> <laughs> when I got to Rado, I tried to do like proper... Where were you performing? Where were you performing? I was, I was performing them um, at gatecrash places like the Tabernacle. Right. Um, yeah, great. You know, all sorts of just... There was a whole spoken word scene that I suddenly discovered because a friend of mine, Beru Tessima, who was in my year, mm. Ethiopian guy, um, phenomenal. He's become a writer-director as well and he's a phenomenal poet. So we used to go together and just do our stuff and I think we both felt probably in a really arrogant way that we were better than most people at those events because <laughs> they were all going into a kind of spoken word poetry that sounded <laughs> like that. But ours was just completely off the cuff. <laughs> And from left, you know, just from left of field. So yeah. I think people were like, oh, wow, they're just talking. And also they're kind of acting. They're kind of becoming these yeah, great. alter egos. Yeah. So Was it performative for you? Exactly, yeah, absolutely. So I did those poems as characters. Great. Um, and, um, nice. Yeah, so I guess, 
yeah, the writing was still kind of floating around. And I kind of, you know, worked on a few really ambitious films because you don't know anything about writing films then. So you think, oh, I'm just going to write this really ambitious film. Just write, just spec films, just writing for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had this little Features apartment. or shorts? Features, I mean. Come on. <laughs> went for the joker. <laughs> but my, so my problem was back then was I'd always get to the middle mm-hmm. of, a, of a script and then start again with a right. new idea. Go, oh, no, no, that's not what it is. It's this. Right, get to good. the middle again yeah. and keep doing that. So yeah. I never actually finished that feature film. But I was, again, that was all, that was always kind of, um, that was quite political and it was, again, about people, you know, I guess the unseen, the unheard types. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of an extension yeah. of some of the, the, the poems. And it probably would have been an adulthood before adulthood. Right. Because that was way back before that was even, yeah, was stuff like, like that was even on yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but then it turned into like a sci-fi thing. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to a sci-fi play. Yeah, I'm gonna nail one of these. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When did you? Did yeah. you? I mean, uh, the, we can go back in time yeah. if this is a considerable leap forward. But when did you start thinking about the possibility of writing a play or writing for stage? Was it Black Tour? Were you writing before that? Were you writing plays yeah. before that? You see, I can remember that quite like the inciting incident in a story for me. The reason right. to to write a play because I was having a conversation. With um, with a friend of mine who was like, you keep writing all these overambitious films, you know, and yet, <laughs> you know, you work in theatre, you got, right. you know, you know, artistic directors write yeah. a play, you know, and I was like, it was one of those penny drop moments. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't know Harvey Weinstein or any of the CEOs of these, you know, film production companies, but I do know David Land because <laughs> yeah, he just directed yeah. me and Joe Turner. Yeah. So then I, and then it was quite a tense time because I was hanging out with these three three friends of mine and we'd all graduated three of us had graduated from RADA one mm. had graduated from Guildhall and we were all different kind of types you know one was a mixed race guy mm-hmm. you know one was more kind of Nigerian kind mm-hmm. of athletic and another guy was was kind of um, somewhere in between and everybody had theories about why somebody was doing better and why somebody was doing worse right. in relation to their shade or build <laughs> or something like that and so right. there were these really quite outrageous conversations we'd always be hanging out at the Curzon Cinema you know, in Soho or walking down the South Bank and like frustratedly kind of riding each other up about not getting work or... And then there was always that awkward moment where you'd be hanging out with a mate and you're both waiting to hear on a job and then he gets it whilst you're having coffee. Right. You know, and right. you're still unemployed. And I just thought, oh, wow, that's actually quite exciting territory. And it's complicated. You know. um, uh, I was talking... Uh I can't remember if I was making this comment too, but uh, I'll make the same joke again. Mm-hmm. I think as a middle-aged, white, cisgendered, heterosexual man, I am the perfect authority to talk about, yeah. <laughs> talk about well, of this kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the, um, I'll make that joke again in these interviews, no. so don't worry, Emily, we'll, that won't be the last time you hear that rather brilliant joke. The, um, <clears throat> um, it's complicated as a young black actor mm. because those, the envy and the politics and the tensions around who gets a job and who mm. doesn't get a job is exacerbated by a level of kind of uh, objectification to a degree, yeah. you know, in the way that you're talking about. Absolutely. All actors are bitching that somebody's got a job mm. and somebody hasn't, and all actors are also incredibly supportive. Like the best actors are really supportive of each yeah. other. But the, what's brilliant about uh, black tourers understanding the complexities of the racial politics around in that. Absolutely. Yeah, that was what that's that's what interested me, I think, was the kind of the people from uh I guess in terms of heritage, yeah, kind of from somewhere else but very much born here. So right. kind of very much uh, a product of their experiences growing up in Britain yeah. as, you know, somebody of color who happens to be yeah. black. Um, and probably a second generation thing. So even so, like my parents were born here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel very British, but then also very aware of my heritage, um, which is mixed race, but still aware of the idea of blackness yeah. is a thing. Yeah. And kind of, yeah, I guess black masculinity, if you can call it that, um, yeah. emasculation and, and some of those frustrations kind of internally within the group, you know, I just thought that was really interesting territory. Yeah. yeah. And territory not many people were writing about in that way at the time. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah not with a little kind of bit of a sci-fi edge. <laughs> 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 but with because you know, they all had to do these weird tasks, you know. Yeah, exactly. And they never spoke about they never Great. said the word acting. Great. They would say the thing. Great. It was always the thing. Um, and it was always like um the prize was leaving the building. 
um, I think very it was good. the leave the building never to return thing yeah, they were all trying to get and so they always had to go upstairs and perform in front of this infinity mirror which had like a red amber or green light around it and you do the task which would be anything from just like drinking a cup of water yeah. to skipping to a, a hip hop beat that got faster and faster <laughs> you know um, and then you'd get you know red amber or green and that was what you got and then you go back downstairs and then you'd be back in that never-ending waiting room. So it kind of had that yeah, very nice. bit of a Lynchian thing the, going on. I so um, when you left, rather, just to go mm. back a little bit to talk mm. a bit about the acting again, um, uh, you work in parallel, like a lot of actors in film and stage. Were you drawn yeah. more towards one or the other, or, or was it kind of equal experience with both? I mean, I strangely got more into theatre when I was at RADA, and then you're exposed to so many amazing playwrights. And I think that's... I think that... That was a great education for writing because, you know, you're doing Tennessee Williams, you know, yeah. Arthur Miller, Shakespeare, yeah. Chekhov, yeah. Um, all these phenomenal writers. And yeah. you're absorbing that. Well, your subconscious is definitely absorbing it. Um, and yeah. I got really into theatre. I was like, really, you know, when I graduated, the one thing I wanted to do was like go and work at the RSC. And great. I'd always get really excited when I'd go out there for an audition and stuff. And kind of film drifted away yeah. a bit. Um and then I kind of, yeah, re reconnected to it much later. But then I also felt slightly, before I started RADA, because I had an agent um, before I started RADA, I would go in for film because I was this raw, young South London kid, yeah. you know, with wild hair, you know, who just watched films. Wild hair? Really wild <laughs> hair. Yeah. They loved it. Yeah, and I was great. getting cast in films. Great. i never forget meeting Thomas Wittenberg, of all people. Oh I had a gosh. recall for a movie he was making. Very good. Met him and said, do you mind if I do some of my poetry for you? <laughs> <laughs> I did that poem to him. I think oh, he was like, nice. who's this kid? <laughs> you know, who is this guy? Um, so there was, but I didn't care. I didn't have any, I wasn't aware. You know, I had that right. beautiful kind of um, ignorance. Yeah, great. Which meant I didn't have any of that fear. I think at drama school, you learn about how important everybody is. Oh, that's so-and-so. You know, that's so-and-so. Yeah, so -and -so. very good, very good, Oh, very that's so-and-so. And then you very come good. out like, wow, it's really... Look at all these so-and-sos. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a pretty big, yeah. intimidating place. Yeah. Um, and then it takes a while to kind of lose that fear yeah. again, I think. Yeah. yeah. The uh, What was the first play you were casting? first play was um, I think the first play I did was a Romeo and Juliet right. and now, but it was for the education yep. department and so and again that was quite a poignant moment because you know you, you go to RADA and you go I really I got cast in a TV thing and did a little bit on trial and retribution I thought great this is how it goes at RADA you graduate from RADA and you just get loads of work because yeah. um, you went to the Royal Academy but mm. that's not how it works um, mm. you kind of have to build and so I ended up doing this Romeo and Juliet at the National Theatre Education Department. And um, no slur on the Education Department, but obviously everybody graduates from RADA and they want to play Romeo, you know... On the Olivier. On the Olivier, <laughs> you know, exactly. And we yeah. were kind of basically driving in a white van and yeah. building these Who sets. Who was directing that? Oh, my God. I know Sean Holmes did a lot of... It wasn't Sean. It yeah, wasn't Sean. It wasn't Sean. No, it doesn't matter. I terribly can't remember. No, don't worry. Um, but we could listen yeah, to this tough. anybody. So, the, the, you know, the, no, dire the, the director... The di <laughs> director sitting, waiting for the moment he's, where you name-drop them. isn't that he's going to notice. <laughs> I'll never work with him again. But, you know. No, um, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was tough, though. Rufus yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Rufus Norris. Um, um, no, so that was tough. And we were building the set and doing it at primary school. Quite good, though. It was a good experience. Yeah, yeah I was playing Romeo, so that, that, that was pretty cool. good. That was a How good. How did experience. the primary school kids take to it? They loved it. Yeah, yeah they, they. And I think it was a pretty good production. And it was uh, my thing was Romeo has to be as cool as Mercutio. You know, that was that. I always thought that. <laughs> you know, I think Mercutio wasn't happy about it's, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, that's a good approach. Don't make him funny. And um, uh, and. Uh, because David Land's a very important presence in your life, not just because he directed yeah. Black Tet, mm. but because the young Vic has been, you know, the I, I think Brother's Size was so extraordinary. Yeah. And 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 because of uh, Joe Turner as well. Mm. Joe Turner was your first job at the Young Vic and the first job with David, is that right? So Brother Size was, was my first job. Oh, was, was it? Right, Joe Turner, Turner. Yeah. Okay, that, cool. That was um, probably the most important play I've done ever. Tell me about that. I, what? You know, I this play arrives, and I think by that point I'd just done this Romeo and Juliet. So I was like, I just want to do films and TV. You know, I'm not interested in doing any theatre. You know, I'm done with building sets and yeah. primary schools. And yeah. yeah, but this so this play arrives, and the form of the play there's hardly any stage directions, and it's almost like it's really bare, yeah. and it's just like this kind of brilliant. 
prose yeah. and there are these characters names like Ogun, Alegba, Shusi yeah. and I'm like what is this you know yeah. and I'm you know and I read it and I kind of and I'm not sure what I'm what to make of it at first and um I get to this monologue Alegba's monologue which is all about um he's talking about Shusi when he first came into the prison and the way mm. he cried for his brother the way he wept for Ogun this is beautiful and I got to the end of that monologue and got a chill got that moment I was mm. like wow that's incredible. Uh, but I didn't know anything about Tyrell, and I was a bit like, you know what? I think I'm. I think it's I just. Tyrell, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I first play. That was his first play yeah. in yeah. the UK. Yeah. And I think I banked a few TV jobs in the interim, and um, and this play was programmed for after I would have finished that. And then yeah. I and I said no, initially yeah. to um, to doing it. And then I remember I was in Bulgaria filming Roman Mysteries, actually. <laughs> Very good. Uh, playing a young kind of, you know, warrior or whatever right. it was. And I remember my agent, my acting agent, called me up, you know, um, in Bulgaria. And he's like, you have to do the play. You know, I've, <laughs> I've spoken to Nicholas Heitner. I've spoken to all yeah. these, you know, important theatre people. And they're saying, this guy is going to be the next big thing. Yeah. You have to do this play. Yeah. And also two guys from RADA are doing it as well. And I knew both of them because Obi Abili was in my year at yeah. RADA yeah. and um, Nyasha was in the year, year above us. Yeah. So I said yes to that play. And then, you know, it was like, when I say it's the most important play I'd done because I met Terrell and then once we started working on that play, I started yeah. to realise, oh, right, this is what that, this is the genius of that play. And, you know, because Which they were all... What, it was, what was the genius of the play? Was Well, they... they you know, it was like no set, yeah. no props. Yeah. It was uh, three actors, mm -hmm. uh, chalk circle. So we drew a chalk circle every night. Yeah. That was the set. And as soon as we stepped in that circle, it was alive, you know? And it yeah. was kind of, it, it kind of proved to me, you know, theater at its most pure is just people in a space telling a story with their bodies, with their voices, with their imaginations, yeah. with their emotions. And so I think that was like a really, important lesson for me because I went oh yeah as an actor as well I was like, oh wow you can really boil it down I think Peter Brook talks about it in the empty space you can really boil it down just to that you don't need to bombard it with stuff yeah and um and so that was really important and then I met Terrell and he was like oh you write you know you write you know and like um he really encouraged me I told him about a few of my ideas, and he was like, they're really good ideas, you should, you know. Were these ideas for plays, or the ideas for... Films. For films, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he wasn't the one who said, why are you writing films? No, no, he wasn't the one that said that. No, You're still then, in touch with Tyrell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've only met yeah. him once, he's a really lovely guy. Really, yeah, yeah. really interesting guy. And he, <clears throat> at Yale, his tutor was August Wilson, one of his tutors. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he had a, um, an August Wilson story. Mm. I think August Wilson gave him an iPod just before August Wilson passed away. And um, I think he gave him an iPod and a message and and that mm. was that, and then he passed. And so, and then, funny enough, you know, the following year, I think it was, or two years after I'm doing an August Wilson play, wow. Joe Turner. Mm. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this is really, Did you know, Tyrell go and see that, do you know, I wonder? I don't think he did. Just for the sake of the story, can you say, yes, he did, and he gave you an iPod? Yeah, <laughs> and he gave me an iPod, but he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, I was working with Delroy Lindo, who'd done a lot of August Great. Wilson plays, Great. and David Lamb was directing. Tell me about David yeah. Lamb and his yeah. influence on your perception of theatre, or on you, or... I think he just really invested in me yeah. as, a, as an artist and as a person. Yeah. And I think he felt like, in the brother's size as a legba, that I kind of, yeah, really tapped into something. And I think he just, he really was like, you did something compelling in that play. Um, and, you know, we need to really nurture yeah. nurture what that is. And, um, you know, and, and it was, because it was a tough play. We didn't really know how to do it. We, we kind of arrived at the chalk circle, but we didn't mm -hmm. start with the chalk circle. Was it Bijan directing? Bijan directing, Bijan yeah. Shabani, who was his touring company artist yeah, exactly. at the time. Yeah, exactly. And, but Terrell came over after about a week of rehearsals and yeah. was in the room the whole time. Mm. And I, know, I don't know if you're, do you like to be in the room? I tend, to go, I tend to go for as much as I can of the first week. Mm. And then I tend to leave for a bit and let them, get on and have fun mm -hmm. and then I'll go back for the last few days of the last week and then previews oh really okay so you live quite quite a quite a space in the middle yeah I like to I mm. think it's good for people to fuck up a bit and not think oh god 
that twat Simon's <laughs> smouldering at me. Uh, that's so and so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I love rehearsal. I really love rehearsal, mm. but and also I'm busy, you know. I'm just yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's it's tricky. Yeah. But I, the first week, the last week, and the previews. You're in. And was it? See, it's interesting <coughs> because I think it was Terrell's um, debut play in the UK. Right. So I think yeah. I don't know if he was in the room a lot because it was like you know, oh, this is my debut play. But it was a difficult play, and I think, to be honest, we were all struggling with how to do it. Right. Um, and then, you know, but the good thing about Terrell was he didn't come in and say, this is how it should be done. He just kind of threw things out there, and it became a real collaboration, you know, with the playwright in the room. And Terrell used to be an actor as well. I think he still right. does act. So he also has that perspective on, you know, actually being up there and speaking it. And, um, and we just went on this incredible journey, which culminated in this show that was a hit. And yeah. so suddenly you're in a hit in yeah. the theatre and you're like, oh, okay, that's what that means yeah. when you're in a hit. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I think I made a mistake because I didn't do the second, you know, they wanted us to do it again. It was on a big, big tour. Uh -huh. And, you know, your agents are like, everybody, you know, you're hot. You know, you're mm -hmm. hot right now. You need to be in London and do TV and film. Right. That's what all agents say after you do a, you know, a play that does really well. But going back to the August Wilson, so I'm working on this August Wilson play and he is just a phenomenal poet and writer. And was he? A, he was alive. He only died recently. Did he die recently? I think, is he dead? Is August Wilson? Yeah, dead? he's dead. Yes, he yeah, died. yeah. <laughs> and I think he was dead by the time we did that. Really? Yes, he I was. Oh, this I do is a believe. Terrible thing of aging. Anyway, I do believe he was. But I think he's always been seen as like they say the Black Arthur Miller. You know, and I don't know if that's writer, offensive yeah. or not. But he is like Arthur Miller in his own right. I the guess. scale and um, humanity of his plays is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, and lyrically, yeah. wow, you know, the flow yeah. of his dialogue and the humour mm. and stuff. And so that was really, and then I think, and then I really got to know David in that rehearsal. And so then when I'd written Blackter, um, I went, ah, I've written this play, it might just be a bunch of conversations that actors are having. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure if it's a play, but will you read it? Yeah. And he was like, of course, you know, and of course, you know. <laughs> That's <laughs> quite a good impression. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> and um, he read it. And then I was at the RSC at the time, yeah. um, working with Anthony Nielsen, who's also Great. been quite an important influence on me, I think, as an artist. And um, What were you doing with Anthony? I, we were doing Marit Saad. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. it's a crazy version of yeah, Marit brilliant. Saad. Brilliant. Um, and it was, and then when I was at the RSC, you know, we had loads of rooms available and stuff. So I just got a bunch of actors who were there to read my play. So Brilliant. it was the first time I'd sat in a room and had actors read my play. Brilliant. And I was like, wow, I think that's a play. <laughs> you know when you get that moment, yeah, you're like, course. I think that's actually a play. Yeah. Um, it, it goes somewhere and it explores something, it investigates something, and it has a form, you know, yeah, it has yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe this kind of weird, kind of abstract way I'm going about it, maybe there's something in that. Um, and then he, I'll never forget because I was watching The Killing. <laughs> And um, <laughs> I was sat in my, um, you know, um, waterside apartment, you know, yeah. overlooking in the theatre. Very, yeah. very yeah. You know, romantic. And yeah. uh, David Land calls me up and he's like, um, hi, Nat, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, not too bad. And he's like, we're doing the play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that's the kind of moment. There's good it? moments, those yeah. moments. That's yeah. when you go. And yeah. that's when I think, yeah. And how was, that, how was that shift. production? How was that? for you as a writer not necessarily just as an experience how was it to as a writer to watch other actors play your words I love it yeah although I always try and get them to say them faster because <laughs> for just some reason I don't know why it is I think my stuff works better on the you front you speak part. quite quickly naturally you, well, you know there you go there's some, maybe there's something related I think there's a rhythm there's yeah. a you know so I I yeah when I hear it I know when the rhythm's off. So that, yeah. that gets frustrating. But I think for me, casting is really important. And I think what I've learned is just that if you cast well, if you cast right, then you can kind of let it go. Would you ever be in your own place? Not yet. No. No. And I don't know if I'd be in my own... I was in my first short that I wrote and directed, yeah. but I've not since been in... I'm, work, I'm working on a feature that I'm going to direct... Um, with the BFI and the Bureau, so I'm really excited Great. about that. Great. And, um, but, but I don't think I'll be in that. that. No. <laughs> because I get a real buzz from seeing other people do my stuff. Right. And I don't need to be in it. If anything, sometimes being in it reduces it. Right, very good. Yeah. You know. Um, tell me about the writing of Torn, which Torn. is a play I really mm. adored. It feels, hearing you talk about 
August Wilson and talking about Tyrell mm. McCready, their influence on that play seems really legible. But that yeah. might be me imposing narrative no. on you. What, tell me, what was the starting point for that play? Well, I... Funnily enough, just so in the interim, what I will say is that I... I wrote a few more plays on spec and right. I was actually worried that after Blackter was on, I was never going to get another play on. I thought, oh, people are going to say he's just an actor that's written about being an actor. Right. That was my kind of cynical view. And um, the long and the short was, I think, you know, the young Vic developed directors. They don't develop writers. Right. So there was a weird point where I think David was like, look, doors are open to you now. Um, yeah. And was kind of, and then they ended up commissioning my second play after I'd written a couple of plays on spec. So you uh, wrote plays after Blackter on spec? Mm-hmm. Two plays on spec. And gave them to the young... Gave them to, yeah, and David didn't feel they were quite right. Right. Um, I think it's really important for people to hear that story. Yeah. Because Torn was such a success and Blackter was such a success. The assumption yeah. is that you've just written two plays that were successful. But it's it's not like that. It's not like that. It's not. <laughs> and and actually, yeah. when you have a successful play and you write another that's rejected or knocked mm. back at the time, how mm. how does that feel? Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Happened yeah. To me. I, did it happen to you? Yeah. No. Yeah. And looking back now, yeah, my my first commission for the Royal Court was rejected. It was the only first time I'd ever been commissioned to write a play. I'd been waiting ten years to be a professional writer. Got the no. payment for the commission and they turned it down. They and said no. Yeah, they said no. And it felt, it was one, at the time it was one of the worst feelings in my whole professional life. And looking back, wow. I think it defined me as a writer. Okay, amazing. Because you, why you were kind of reborn in the fire. Well, or... yeah, because you have to think, well, you have, you, you, you have a period of agony, misery, self-loathing, mm-hmm. and then loathing of the entire world. Yeah. And then if you're any good, you think, all right, why did they turn it down and how can I be better? Mm, absolutely. Because, you know, success teaches you nothing. You only learn as an artist from failure, as long as you yeah. can lock failure with some kind of rationality. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. How was it for you getting yeah, those plays Yeah, I think it was up? similar. I think I kind of... I was trying... I was... You know, I kind of... One of the plays that I'd written became a short a short film that Great. I wrote and directed Great. for the BFI, BBC yeah. Films. So mm-hmm. clearly it kind of was more of a film than it was a play. The other one I don't think I ever quite nailed, mm-hmm. to be fair. Great. Um... Uh, and I kind of I think what was important in that period like you say is that I didn't stop writing I kept writing yeah. and almost zealously I just kept writing mm. and um, and I, that muscle got stronger yeah. you know, I was finishing things you know I was, sometimes I'd write a play in a week depending wow. on yeah sometimes wow. you know yeah. um, and you know so I was kind of building that muscle and then I think and then David went alright <laughs> I'll commission you you know I'll commission another play Great. and so I wrote Torn Brilliant. Initially for the young Vic. Brilliant. And then um, we did a workshop on it and everybody in the room was like, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think after the workshop, I was like, okay, you know, so this is going to go on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of meet with the artistic director. There's always that, that moment. And I think David was like, his feeling was he felt that play would be too exposed in the main space and he'd have to do it in the main space yeah. because of funding reasons. He couldn't have that many actors in the Maria. Right. And he said, but let me take it to Vicky Featherston at the court. And so again, you know, he, you know, he had my back and yeah. he, you know, brought it to Vicky. Yes. And Vicky was like, yeah, this is a great play. Yeah. Um, and then I did a week, I did a three week attachment here after they gave me notes because I think it was still clear to begin with, unclear, sorry, whose story was mm-hmm. it? Was it mm-hmm. Cousin's story or right. was it Angel's story? Yeah. And it was Angel's story. What was the starting yeah. point of it? What was the kind of first image you had with that play? Sat in my living room with my cousin. Yeah. Um, and our mums were identical twins. Yeah. And um, he had some kind of argument with his wife and, you know, yeah. my mum's always kind of been a kind of second mother figure to him. And yeah. we're both sat in the living room and he looks over to me and he's like, you know, Cassie, we're, you know, we're complicated, you know. And he kind of launches into this kind of thing about the past. And for some reason, I just thought, there's a play in that. <laughs> there's a play in what he's just done because he's, we're present, we're in the future, but we're in the past. Yeah, great. In this one moment, you know, and he's kind of still trying to wrestle or kind of push through something that's still holding him in the past. Um, and then I just started thinking about my really complicated family yeah. and um, how we were a really tight unit. We were like 
we were like a really strong family for for a lot of time when I was growing up. Yeah. And this one this one particular event kind of just, you know, deconstructed all of that. And so yeah, I kind of felt like, yeah, this is something that I think I should explore. And then I just com- was writing out of sequence, just loads of scenes, writing out of sequence. So just writing yeah. different scenes that... Okay, great. Yeah, lo- yeah. Just accumulating loads of material. Yeah. And then I had like 100 pages of material. Wow. Like, okay, what's the order? Yeah, great. And uh, and then I started to kind of... How long did that you know, take you? Having written plays in a week, were you... It took longer. to amass the 100 pages? Well, because it was a commission as well. Yeah. I think it was like... I think that took me like three months... Yeah, great. ...to do... Um, and th- yeah, and then you know, once I once I knew it was Angel's story, I think that made it much clearer. And the idea yeah. that she gathered the family there yeah. um, to confront them. Very good. I thought I was like, you know, yeah, we, we met, we had a really yeah, we did, conversation, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, that really, was really, yeah. Helpful. The um, where yeah. and what? Just tell me about. The, I'm fascinated by the amassing of the hundred pages of mm. scenes out of sequence. What were you writing mm. on physically? What were you writing on? Were you writing on computer? Were you writing by hand? Both. Yeah. yeah, I was writing... Funny enough, it's like a really geeky, kind of weird thing, but I was, I'd was i normally write plays on Final Draft. Yeah. And then I stopped writing plays on Final Draft. Right. Because I felt like the program of Final Draft yes. was kind of inhibiting some yeah. of the flow. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it does. Do you find that? I think it's good for screenplays. Yeah. But there's something about stage plays. I write on Word... Same. Without character names in the first draft, just write yeah. the dialogue as quickly as possible down the left. Absolutely. Side. And then, do you, how do you know? How do you know who's who? Do you <laughs> just remember it? And then sometimes there's nice oh, really? moments you go back to it, and I can't remember it, and I quite like that. Ah, oh, right. I still that. And then, yeah, it's good. The other thing is, I put the character names in, but I put them. I normally put them a character at a time rather than the line of dialogue at the time, so that accidentally you're reading each scene from each character's oh, point of view. Wow. <laughs> that's really interesting it's just a yeah it's yeah. an accidental well, there's something about pro. like you say the flow of a conversation is interrupted yeah you've got to get that energy names. you've got to get that energy exactly you know yeah. so and I funny enough I started writing on word and then I also started when I was structuring dialogue I started to put the words on the page like how I'm speaking now those would be three separate lines great very good on a page rather very than good. before you know you just write to the yeah, so I was kind of really trying to go musically this is how it's absolutely meant to sound brilliant um, and so that so the rhythm of the play became clearer on the page great and that was a breakthrough and I you know I'm a big Harold Pinter fan as well yeah. and I've you know, read a lot of Harold Pinter plays yeah and um, you know again a, an amazing lyricist and incredible yeah. yeah when it comes to dialogue and kind of psychological warfare <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, and that's what I like I, I kind of feel like you know I, I, don't, I don't mean it like I could dialogue for days but I do feel like dialogue is something which just comes yeah. like water. and has from the very early poems from, from the performance poems as an 18 year old because even then you're writing in character well, and yeah. you're writing with a linguistic rhythm you're driven by the rhythm of the language mm. and that sits under Tyrell's writing as well I think to a I think so degree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was the production of uh, What was the production of Torn like for you? Yeah, that was incredible. That was um, difficult, but no, it was like for me. I was like, I felt like I was becoming a writer, like a proper writer, if you know yeah. what I mean. Like Blackter was a kind of experiment that went well, mm-hmm. and Torn was. Um, it was quite bold in its form. Mm. You know, it was again. It was quite bare. It was, yeah. you know trying to kind of play with some quite kind of strong ideas in terms of people coming to the theatre in itself yeah. as an event yeah. and we don't need to lie about that that yeah. kind of meeting of people yeah the um, house lights were up the, the, house lights the were stage up. was exposed mm, the yeah. floorboards were Floor, there yeah exactly and uh, yeah the, it just felt like um, you know we had Adele giving this phenomenal Adele Leonce Adele Leonce who was leading it yeah. and um, everybody just brought something really unique and it was a difficult rehearsal because yeah. it's a difficult play yeah. so much overlapping dialogue and that's just difficult mm-hmm. to do it takes mm-hmm. a lot of I mean there were some rehearsals where we just drilled the overlaps because it's kind of like if you can't you know I'm sure musicians would say the same about playing a piece of bark you know if you yeah. don't get the rhythm right you know then you can't really express it so great you know, we, we spent a lot of time drilling it. Um, they found it hard. It, it, it was difficult for them. But I think, because yeah. an actor would like to explore their inner world, 
and their kind of backstory and that emotional terrain, not just getting the rhythm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like an outside-in <laughs> yeah. way of working. And, yeah. and also, I think there's a thing of, like, let the play do it to you. I feel quite strongly about that. Go on, what do you mean? Like, let the play do it to you, because the writer's done all the work. The writer's gone away and, and justified and kind of investigated all of these characters in this story, if they've done their job. Yeah. Um, and if you trust that, yeah. And and say what's written and mean it. Yes. Then then I think the play starts to happen to you. You it's know, I do think those argument. conversations yeah, are kind it's... of important to go, okay, so what happened when he was five and da 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 and and to understand those things, but ultimately when you're up there, yeah, say it and mean it. It's I a think. strong argument for the outside in approach to direction. Actually you don't need to do months of excavating of the mm. inner world of the character. Mm. You just do the play. Do you have you what's in that? I mean, I guess that's what I'm interested in the relationship between you, the actor, and you, the writer. Mm. When you're working on a play, let's say People, Places, Things, for example, which I thought was, I thought your performance in that was astonishing. Oh, thank you. The um, thank you. Uh, what's your? You, I guess you're led by the director, production to production. Different directors have different approaches. Mm. Do you have a preferred approach as a as an actor? Yeah, see, again, this is going to be quite controversial. No, it's all right, be controversial. Um, Nobody listens. No, I mean, I, well, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully they do. Um, no, I think, you know, you cast actors because hopefully they can do it. Yeah. You know, because that's what they do. Yeah. So, you know, you might need to be like, okay, can we just, you know, refine that moment here or do right. something there? But I think ultimately, again, I think great direction is create creating the conditions under which great work can happen. So I think that's your job as a director, to, to create that environment and then let people play, let them kind of experiment and find out. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you don't get rehearsal time in film like you do in theatre. Mm. So I don't know that you have to control it so much mm. in a rehearsal room because if you allow people to do that for four weeks, I think you're going to really arrive somewhere, actually, yeah. quite organically yeah. in a way. Um, yeah. And so I feel like the actor in the room, I like the director's, that allow me to get it wrong, that allow me to spill paint everywhere, yeah. you know, that allow me to just kind of just, you know, and kind of be messy in, yeah, re in rehearsals because we're not, you know, we're not showing it to anybody in rehearsals. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, you know, it's important that actors get to feed into the conversation because I think sometimes in a rehearsal room, it's like the director is the authoritarian figure mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I like a room where the ASM can have an idea great. and that's a great idea and so it ends up in the show. And there's a very Anthony Nilsson kind of yeah. philosophy, but it's a collaboration. Well, and what shows have you made with Anthony? Just Marat so Saad, have you made other I stuff? I said Marat Saad and then I've done like quite a few things here. We did um, oh, The Get right. Out. Yeah, okay, we did great. The Get Out. Yeah. We're, we're working on a film about psychics, which was quite cool. Great, very good. Set at a psychic school. Great. Um, <laughs> Great. It's kind of it's very good. Um, no, but I mean, with Anthony, you improvise a lot, right? And I think um, I, I, when I improvise as an actor, I guess it's where my the writer and the actor are both synthesized. Yeah, yeah, and that's really I love improvising. And when you're writing dialogue, it feels like a kind of improvisation, right? You're Absolutely. Just improvising on you. Where do you write? I always write in public. What I, do you mean? In, in so I, I write on the sixth floor at the Royal Festival Hall. Yeah, um, that's one of my spots yeah. in the members bar. It's only fifty pounds for the yeah. year for a membership. I yeah. used to write in like cinema cafes quite a bit. Why do you do it in public? I can't sit alone. Great in at home. I started alone. writing in public recently. Okay, because it makes me much less likely to just spend four hours looking at the Manchester United transfer season. <laughs> yeah. I can't watch clips of Romelu Lukaku yeah. if I'm sitting when there are other people around me because I'll just go, you're just watching you're just, clips of Romelu. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's a really good point. You kind of under scrutiny a bit. You know, yeah, people are exactly. kind of like, what, what are you up to? And, and what, if, what's your yeah. ideal writing day? So get up early. Yeah, what time's get early? Get up really early. Well, I mean, really early for me is like, get up at 8, you know, right. get up at 8 a.m., um, have a coffee, yeah. have a good breakfast, yeah, um, and then get out, get on the road, get to where I'm writing for about mm -hmm. half nine. Great. Um, and then I like to catch those morning hours because I feel like, you know they say your brain works at different frequencies mm -hmm. at different times. Sure. And some people's brains come alive at night and some people's yeah. brains are alive in the morning. I'm definitely, you know, the morning person. Mm -hmm. So I could write, I think I'm quite good. I'm a bit of a worker, worker bee. So I can like sit down 
and happily write for about five or six hours. And are you a planner? Um, are you writing? Uh, or are you writing dialogue straight away? Are you conceiving or writing notes? What are you writing? Well, that's interesting because in film and TV, yeah. I'm always so I'm, I'm always treatmenting mm -hmm. before, uh, and then I'm and then after I get the treatment down, which has been you know a new thing working with producers to mm -hmm. refine what the story is, then I do a beat sheet if mm -hmm. I'm writing a feature. So I've just finished the beat sheet for the feature that I'm about to write. And that's mm -hmm. just so I've seen the movie mm -hmm. in my mind. I've kind of done the journey. And mm -hmm. it might be different when I start writing the dialogue. But at least I've kind of experienced the film. Um, yeah. Because I feel like when I write, when I start to write, I'm in flow. And so that's what I mean about if you're in the flow for a week, sometimes you can write a lot. So I guess I feel like if I get consistent time to write with no, without my acting agent calling me in for an audition or yeah. distracting me or anything like that, if I'm in that flow, you know, I can be quiet. I can get quite a lot of material down. Um, and then, you know, I'm quite like, if I need a break, I take it. If if the day's done, mm -hmm. you know, if it's just like, if it's not coming, I just stop. Yeah. I don't push it. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I just feel like I'll just come back and fight another day. I tend to set myself jobs for the day. Right. And the job for the day might be to write a plan, might be to write to plan a scene, might be to write a scene, might be to finish a redraft, mm -hmm. uh, and right. and I just work until I've done that job. And if I've done right. the job after two hours, I'll go and watch a movie or watch Romelu nice. Lukaku. <laughs> <for six hours. laughs> and go, what are the odds of us winning this season? <laughs> yeah. No. But uh, if if I'm if I'm if it takes me yeah. ten hours to do the job, then I'll keep going. Then you'll until keep I've done going. The job. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm quite like in in a way that I think it's like. It's work. Yeah. It's like it could be building tables. Yeah, know, exactly. In a, in a work, exactly. In a workroom. That's what I feel like writing is like. It's kind of and people say when a play gets on and a poster goes up, mm -hmm. people are like, oh my god, you know, it's like you're a playwright. So, but really and truly, writing is quite a you know, it's quite mon you're just sat in front of a screen tapping, tapping away. And I know you might be in this amazing, you know, imaginary realm, but the actual practice of it isn't like going to rehearsal every day and yeah. like you know, creating a character. It's 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 more I think it's Do you like that mundane. Do you like that mundanity? I quite like it, yeah. Because yeah. 'Cause I'm I can be social but I can also be awkward. So I yeah, quite yeah, like yeah. the Yeah. And I quite like the control of like I'm getting up today and I'm writing for four hours and somebody's paid me to do that. Yeah. Even better. You know. If um if you think about those poems that you wrote mm. when you were eighteen your first explorations into writing something down mm. and you think about the most recent thing that you've written like yesterday mm. are there anything that they have in common what are the things you find yourself returning to I think I'm like definitely um, interested in how how kind of man-made systems yeah. social systems or constructs work against the individual so kind of I've always been interested in in how and and mostly not always in an oppressive nature but because the systems could be anything but how constructs that were meant to fit into work against individuals that are way more complicated than yeah. those systems yeah so I think I've I've always been interested in that I think that's one of my and finding the humanity in the construct. The humanity, yeah. And the kind of empathy for, you know, I think there are all sorts of movements happening at the moment, which is quite exciting. And yeah. the world's a crazy place. Don't get me wrong. But, but what is good is that I think, you know, like people say things like we're living in a fake news post-truth era. Yeah. But I think that's been going on for much longer than just yeah. the recent couple of years, yeah. you know. So I'm quite, I think it's good that the conversation is kind of out there now and people are maybe having conversations that they wouldn't have yeah. before. Yeah. Um, and I also think, um, yeah, there's an appetite now, I think, for new kind of stories. So, you know, and from unlikely people. Right. So I think that's quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Yeah. Nathaniel Martello-White, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Simon Stevens. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> got a notes from Anushka. What have you right, got for right. Anushka? Producer Anushka. Have you got an, a question or a postscript or anything? Or nothing today? You actually did very well today, Simon. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I had two facts footnotes. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
August Wilson died on the 2nd of October 2005. Okay, so some years before. Uh, yeah, it was 2006 was... 2005. Um, no, when 2010 was... Right, okay. Joe Turner's coming Joe Turner was 2006. 2010. So just yeah. for those people out there who were frustrated when you guys didn't know that. Yeah, and, all right. Um, frustrated yeah. and probably annoyed with me. The director... Fucking hell, Stevens, <laughs> don't you know anything? <laughs> he didn't even have Twitter. Um, <laughs> The director okay. who directed you, Nat, in oh, your God. Yeah. Um, National Theatre Education uh, production of Romeo yeah. and Juliet was called Carl Heap. Yes, of course. Carl, Carl Heap. Heap. Yeah. Carl and, Heap. And then the only question, which I'm shocked you didn't ask. <gasps> oh. When oh. you said that you're obsessed with Michael Jackson, yeah. well, what was your favourite song? <sighs> but I did talk about Thriller. You didn't say that was your fave? I didn't say it was my favourite. Is that your favourite? Moonwalk. Moon, the, uh, what's the Moonwalk? The Moonwalker one. The, the beat amazing. it, wasn't beat it, them. or was Billy Jean the movie? Uh, Billy yeah. Jean's, Billy Jean's, no, it was the one, you know where they did a, the first time he yeah. leans forward? That's, I think that's beat it. Is that beat it? Shit. I think, I think he Isn't did that it. Smooth Criminal? No, it's not called Smooth Criminal. No, I think he did it on like the MTV Awards or something, he did it for the first time. I, n- I remember it happening in like 1984. <laughs> I'm the only one old enough to remember this as a live event. <laughs> I remember him doing it for the first time on some big national American TV. He did the moonwalk, and people it was were MTV, mental. wasn't it? Or was it? It might award? be MTV. Is that when he's my... in the glitter? He's yeah. in that, and he's yeah, and he had the glove up. on, and he did the moonwalk. I think that was Beat It because that came up before the album. Well, are you sure it's Beat It? Because I thought it was that's Billie Jean though that song, isn't it? No one here is a Michael Jackson fan. Billie right, Jean is the postscript. So. We're live Googling Anushka. Live Googling. I was wrong on Beat It. Okay. Uh, Beat It is. Moonwalk Dance Move um, was first performed during Billie Jean um, on March the 25th, 1983. But yeah. to be absolutely accurate, that is not Nat's favourite thriller. <laughs> <laughs> thriller is. Most yeah. pointless footnote. Thriller is what really. scarred me. Yeah. So. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta give it for Thank you, Thanks for listening to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe at royalcourttheatre.com or iTunes to get the next episode. You can purchase many of the plays discussed at royalcourttheatre.com forward slash shop or come into the shop at the theatre. Come to the theatre. Come and see the plays. We're at Sloan Square. Come along. Come and see everything. The Playwrights Podcast is brought to you by the Royal Court Theatre. It's presented by me, Simon Stevens, and produced by the remarkable Anushka Warden and Emily Legg.